0: Nick's playoff basketball has arrived. Can you believe it? I can't. The Knicks are the fourth seed and get home court in the first round of the playoffs when they take on the Hawks. Game one set for Sunday at the Garden. We'll give you an in-depth preview of the series and give you our predictions. A member of both of the Knicks championship teams in 1970 and 73, the legendary Dr. Dick Barnett is also going to join us later on in the show, plus a special wrap, a playoff wrap from Jay Swizzy. Let's talk playoff basketball coming up next. Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome to a special Knicks playoff preview edition of Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard (laughs) Dog Williams of JYD Playoffs, baby. It's going down, Sal. Let's get it. I can't wait. You will hear our producer, Jake Brown, chime in as well throughout the course of the show. Follow the crew on Twitter for podcast updates, at Sal underscore Licata, at Junkyard Dog, JW, and at Jake Brown Radio, two-time Knicks champion in 1970 and 73, Dick Barnett. Dr. Dick Barnett is going to join us a little bit later in the show. We're excited about that, but JYD, here we are. Who would have ever thought we'd be doing a playoff edition of Big Apple Buckets? The Knicks, their opponent is set. They did what they had to do, taking care of business. They got a little bit of help on Saturday night from the Bucks, beating the Heat. Knicks are the fourth. Seed in the Eastern Conference getting set for their matchup with the Atlanta Hawks. We still don't know the full schedule, but as of the moment, I believe as we record this at 12:30 on Tuesday afternoon, the Knicks and Hawks scheduled for game one Sunday. So we have to wait an extra day. Has it been enough that we've been waiting seven years? Can Sal, you give Sal, us a schedule? Sal, Sal, Sal,
1: Sal, Sal, I gotta stop you, man. First of all, the dog pound needs to have a moment of silence for all the haters and doubters out there who did not feel as though. The Knicks were even going to be in the playoffs. That's number one. I mean, just to, they were saying we were going to potentially scrape the 10th seed, right? Scrape, battle, rock. We need to have a silence for like one second. Okay, they said, that's all they get. <laughs> now, let's get back to business. Fourth seed, man. Let's talk that trash right now for all the haters. Fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. And now we're getting ready to go against the Atlanta Hawks. Well, let me speak on it. Just to break it down for all the naysayers and listeners out there. 3-0. and Okay, we have to move all that aside. Move that aside. That was regular season. But what did we learn? What did we see in those games? We saw defense versus offense. But you know what I saw? I saw how we got the fourth seed. Bully ball, nitro juice. That's right. Julius Randle, nitro juice. 40 pieces chicken nugget dinners against the Atlanta Hawks. So having said that, the dog pound feels very confident moving into this series that the Knicks should be the victors and moving on to the second round.
0: Well, the reason why I love it, JYD, and I know we were talking about this matchup. This is what we wanted. Look, Miami's very dangerous and you you don't want to play the Bucs and you wanted home court advantage. I'm not diminishing what the Hawks have done or their talent, but you touched on it. This matchup is exactly what What I believe would favor the Knicks because you have a team that, yes, they can shoot the lights out. We know they're great athleticism and they're up and down. They'll shoot from wherever. But we saw it to a certain extent in the regular season. Ultimately, the consistency from start to finish of a game through four quarters, the way the Knicks play defense, the way the Knicks take efficient shots, the way they attack the rim. That will win out, especially, I mean, I think it wins out over the course of a game, but especially, and it did three times, by the way, especially over the course of a seven game series. So maybe the Hawks get a game or two or three, who knows? Maybe they get a couple of games because of their elite athleticism and great scoring abilities, whether it's, you know, whoever shooting threes and Bogdanovich and, you know, obviously Trey Young is an absolute stud and Collins is a good, great player. I think maybe even underrated Hawks have some players. We know about that, but over the course of a seven game series, there's no way in my mind that the style the sloppy loose undisciplined style of play the Hawks have going against the complete opposite with the Knicks there's no way that would win out
1: there's no way can I tell you why because defense wins in playoffs when you look at the playoffs and how things change is possession by possession even in the game that went into overtime the reason why that game even winning it overtime was because the Knicks had too many turnovers. Wasn't taking care of the ball and the Atlanta Hawks were able to capitalize on that in terms of points off of turnovers.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, they had a, the Hawks had a big lead and that was the game. And that's the one that, by the way, if you're going to reference from the regular season, that's the one because McMillan was the coach at the time. I know Trey Young ended up getting hurt in the game, but that was a game where the Hawks got out to a big lead or they were out to a lead in the game. And you're thinking, man, this team, they, they could shoot the lights out. And all of a sudden it changes in the second half and what maintained the same. The Knicks did. And when the Hawks go cold, the Knicks take over.
2: Sal, that's the game I don't look at because not only Trey Young and Clint Capella both got hurt and were out for that game. So the Knicks did win in overtime, but their two best players were out of that game. So you look at the other two because that was a full-strength Hawks yeah, team. Yeah, but different different
0: coach. And look, look, injuries happen. I mean, they left the game, so be it. And I know Clint Capella is an absolute beast and he is on the boards. But that game showed the style of play of the two different teams, I thought, perfectly. So even if you had Young there, and he was there for part of it, I mean, and you look at him when he's hot. Okay, look, the Hawks look great, but there's going to be a time where even the best shooters, you know, we're not talking, by the way, elite level talents where the Nets have those big three. We're talking about great talent with the Hawks, but they're young as well. There is no uh, advantage with playoff experience and things like that. McMillan, you know, experienced coach going up against Thibs, who's an experienced coach as well. But the players, especially the young stars, they have to gain some playoff experience. And JYD, you can speak to that as well, but just really you could take all the regular season and throw it out. But that game, I remember watching thinking, there's no way this style of play can beat the Knicks. It just doesn't work. like I don't believe in it. Maybe it does. We'll see. But I don't believe
1: in it. I don't believe in it. I mean, I, I can sit there and look at what they got. You got guys on their team that basically they're good players. They're decent players. But to be playoff ready and battle tested like guys like Derrick Rose is going to take an overhaul. And I think that that's where the Knicks take advantage with that experience. Going up against a Trey Young, going up against a Clint Capella, I'm giving my my basket to the Knicks. For sure.
2: Well, guys, it's interesting because the Knicks, last time they made it was with Melo, Melo, who they got for Danilo Gallinari, and now it's the return of Danilo Gallinari to the Garden and the Knicks Hawks, and he could be a factor. You know, that's the thing. If you want to talk about how the Hawks can win this series, they have to make about 60% of their three pointers. They are a, a very much a three point shooting team. And as we talk about always in today's game, it's a three point shooting game. If they are elite from downtown, they have a chance to shock the Knicks, but I'm talking 60%. Like, that's the way because the Knicks are going to. is Noel going to have a block party in the paint, Sal. We know he's going to block shots. It's going to come down to three-point shooting. And, Jake, they have to do that four
0: of seven games. That's the yeah. point. You can shoot 60% every once in a while. Maybe you could do that for two games. And by the way, not only do you have to do that, you have to do it against the best defensive three-point team or the best defensive team in the league. But to do that for four of seven That's where you're asking a lot, even with the talent that they have. And by the way, you look at that game, that overtime game. You know, they did play a bunch of minutes. I know Trae Young only played 30 because he got hurt. Clint Capella was there 41 minutes. He's a beast on the boards. This is not going to be a sweep. This is not going to be an easy challenge. The Hawks do have some players, whether we mentioned Collins or Lou Williams coming off the bench. So they do have some players, no question. But you're right. They can shoot the lights out. They can score. But to do that, to shoot 60% or around that for four of seven games to beat the Knicks, who, by the way, are a good three-point shooting team themselves, more efficient three-point shooting team, that's a tough ask. That's why I'm surprised. Now, I'm not surprised that maybe it's even, but I'm surprised that some people are giving the Hawks an edge. I was reading, I think, in Berman's column today in the post that, you know, some of the scouts are saying they favor the Hawks because of the athleticism that would win out over the defense. Nonsense. No way. Give me the defense every single time. And I think this is a perfect matchup. Those
1: scouts need to start looking for new work because (laughs) at the end of the day, this is not Atlanta Hawks in the last game shot 35% from three. The Knicks shot 54% from three. They shoot 60% from three for four games. Yeah, that's a tough team in any category. But if you shooting in the thirties, no way because Tom Thibodeau's defensive schemes are going to always adjust. One good game, Yes, it's playoff basketball. Absolutely can happen. Two good games, sure thing can happen. Three? Three against Tibbs, that's that's pushing it that's like wow you just got beat by something you already knew was going to be their strength a couple of things
0: specifically i want to get into first what about the playoff experience or lack thereof jyd how much of a factor is that for this team that we saw grow throughout the course of the regular season you mentioned it nobody had any expectations for them they somehow win 41 games and get the fourth seed in the eastern conference hard to believe however throw out anything that we just mentioned in the regular season playoffs are a different animal and it's not 3-0 nicks it's 0-0 you're going into the series fresh. You have no playoff experience. We know it's going to be turned up a notch. More fans going to be allowed in. Madison Square Garden, we're expecting 13,000 fans there. So it's going to be Woo-hoo! high t- atmosphere, a lot of pressure and excitement about the first time that they've been there in seven years. And again, this core group, first time they're tasting playoff basketball. How about that difference in level of play or, or just feel JYD from regular season to playoff?
1: And that's where I really feel like, you know, you look at the two rosters And you see the only person that stands out is Derrick Rose. The experience, playing with the Bulls, playing against Miami in tough playoff battles. He's battle tested. He knows, he knows how to get out of the first round. He's done it in the past. And now, everybody that you're looking at across the way in Atlanta, well, who's, who's gotten out of the first round? Who's been in the
2: playoffs? I come up with goose eggs well Lou Williams Lou Williams you got to keep Lou Williams at Magic City down there in Atlanta get him those uh those chicken wings the lemon pepper wings keep him off the court (laughs) and keep him in the strip club and the Knicks will be I actually may be making my first trip down there I have tickets for game four in Atlanta I was on Fox 5 You got a big apple bucket plug on Fox Getting getting the show out there at the bottom of the screen but game four $260 after fees which in New York is like free like $260 for a playoff ticket free for lower level seats so still debating this schedule as me and Sal have been texting about please release the dates my oh, life my depends goodness. on this schedule I mean it's ridiculous so I think it'll be next it'll probably be Memorial Day weekend so flights are through the roof right now for to get a I'm gonna be riding Spirit Airlines eight eight stops on Spirit Airlines be flying around the country Good luck with that to get to Atlanta
0: oh yeah you're right it probably will well, be I think Memorial game one's weekend. probably gonna
2: be Sunday game two's probably gonna be a Tuesday then game three will probably be like Friday game four Sunday something like that oh my goodness they spread um, I it I expect, out so, I mean
0: it's so ridiculous the way that well they're they not gonna do out.
2: back-to-back days it'll probably be at least a day off and then maybe two days off for travel I don't know exactly how but you know it's I mean the playoffs are going to go until mid to it's going to go to the end of July it's going to be a long summer of basketball but Knicks we can't give away too much but tickets are going to sale Wednesday the public like Sal said 13,000 they're going to have fully vaccinated sections so you've are vaxxed you have an advantage over other people who are not vaxxed because they are, like James Dolan said, packing it shoulder to shoulder in these fully vaxxed sections. So it's gonna feel like the uh, the garden rocking again. Thirteen thousand is a hop sale from five thousand, which they were expecting, but that number jumped quickly, and I think a lot of fans. The Nets are excited. I have tickets for Nets games one and two, really in fully vaxxed sections. I just bought before the show. I might go, might sell them. We'll see. But Nets have sold them. How'd you now get we're those? You just saw online and what- Ticketmaster Nets are Nets and. Hawks are very easy, apparently, to get tickets because both, when the first Hawks tickets went on sale, I bought them just in case. My brother lives in Atlanta, so I don't have to get a hotel.
0: Hawks I could see. The Nets, I'm surprised that you were able to get tickets.
2: This whole series, guys, is home court for the Knicks. The Knicks fans are packing Atlanta. You're going to see it. It's going to be a ton of Knicks fans down there. Mm -hmm. They're fans, I'm sorry, they're not great Hawks fans. They're not the most loyal. That's right. So I think home court was huge for the Knicks to get the four, but you're going to see a lot of Knicks road fans as well. It's going to be a fun series. That's true. I witnessed. Witnessed it myself as
1: a Nick player. Every arena we went in, I saw the jerseys, the New York band of bandits was out and the dog pound was barking one more thing i want to get
0: to specifically here uh before we uh you know get to producer jake's got a rap for us say so we got hey. a playoff rap for producer jake he's back actually your, your first one his first one wasn't that bad so i'm looking forward Jay to that swizzy is back how about jyd the point guard situation there's a lot of talk now because alfred payton has been struggling here we know Bibbs has been loyal to him as the starter, and rightfully so. Look, Peyton, I know he was easy to pick on, and everybody wanted Emmanuel quickly earlier in the year, and then it looks like you know Derrick Rose has been their best player. We know that uh, as far as coming off the bench, and he's been their best point guard overall, but you don't want to start him and have him waste minutes early in the game, especially when you're trying to keep him to a minutes limit. Neil Akina is not at the point where you could trust him just yet, or at least I wouldn't think, even though he's a good defensive player and has shown some promise in a few limited minutes, and quickly certainly is not a guy who you can trust just yet. However, Peyton has been so bad here down the stretch what do you think Tibbs does with his lineup JYD do you continue to go with the guy that you trust the veteran the guy who's going to be a defender and you hope that he can get it turned around here after the week off to try to get uh, going in the postseason or do you make a drastic move and I'm assuming go with either quickly or Neil Aquina because they, they probably want Rose off the bench still
1: well I mean six points three rebounds three assists and three steals Last game against the Hawks. And I really what stands out to me are those three steals. And he only plays 17 minutes. So I think, you know, from a playoff standpoint, we know where the major minutes are coming from, from the point guard spot. That will be Derrick Rose. He's going to get the majority of the minutes. But for 17 minutes in a playoff series, and you give me 6 3 3 and 3, I'm taking those numbers.
0: So you're rolling with Peyton. I mean, this is going to yeah. be an unpopular opinion. I
1: probably no. would too, to be honest. I know, producer. Yeah, I mean, just just Star from Rose. just from a uh, continuity standpoint. If you obviously, if you lose a couple of games, okay, shake it up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A couple lose one and you shake it up. I, you don't have time to lose a couple, Jay. Well, B. I mean, those when I those. say a couple, I mean that's like really one and a half. In the
1: playoffs. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you, you know, you may you you actually make the adjustment at <laughs> after the first quarter, uh, right. you know, of uh game two, and,
0: and they've been getting off the slow starts, which has been an issue. You look here is the you can't start Rose, right? We all know Rose is the best point guard; he's going to end up playing the most minutes. Can't start him, so then it's okay. Well, what are our other options? Do we go with Frank Aquina Do we go and even younger Emmanuel quickly? I, I kind of like some of the minutes that uh, Aquina has given them, but. I'm trying put it this way. I'm trusting Tibbs. That's the bottom line.
1: Tibbs man, he's in practice. He's the one that knows these guys. He's the one who sees what's going on in that locker room. And I'm not gonna throw any type of dog pound sauce in there. I'm gonna let him do what he does. He got us to the fourth seat. Can we put some respect on Tibbs' name? Got to put some respect on that man, Tom Tibbs, for getting us this far. And we gotta allow him to do what he does.
2: I trust Tibbs, but Peyton just doesn't give you enough big apple buckets. I mean, quickly gives you big apple buckets. Derrick Rose gives you big apple buckets. And against a team that scores a lot like the Hawks do, I think you need those buckets. And maybe Payton give him 10, 15 minutes, but it should be a a good split of 25 to 30 uh, between Rose.
0: Well, Rose is going to get the minute. I mean, Rose is getting the minute.
2: And Jake, listen, man. Sometimes those extra salami
1: sandwiches go to your head, man. I understand you want buckets, <laughs> but in the playoffs, you have to understand there's also things that have to do with continuity because a swing in points is one thing, but that defense in the, in the locker room and everything else is different. And when people get out into those playoff atmospheres, things start to tighten up. It's like the, the muscles in, in your arms and your fingers, everything is tight. And with that type of tightness, You got to roll with the people you feel like are going to be able to get loose. Not too loose, but loose enough. And remember, you don't want to get
0: into a shootout with the Hawks. I get what you're saying. If the Knicks need scoring at a certain point in the game, Peyton's not getting it done, obviously. He's not a scoring guard. It's as simple as that. He's not out there because they're hoping he could score. He's out there because he plays defense and can occasionally attack the rim. We've seen it at times throughout the course of the year. It's been inconsistent, but that's what he does. He's a solid, should be a solid starting point guard that can be sound out there and try to fit what Tibbs does with his system. The other two are wild cards. Neil Akina can play great defense and maybe give you some buckets, but he's still not a great offensive player. He's just a lesser version or a less experienced version of Alfred Payton at this point. And quickly, the ceiling is through the roof, right? He could come in and light it up and go off for 25 and give you the great scoring that you need, but he's not going to be that defender just yet that the other two could be. And Rose is the best all around of the bunch. You know, you're going to get instant scoring and quality minutes from him and veteran point guard play in the postseason in particular with Rose. That's why he'll play the bulk, but you got to be careful here because you don't want to just go, oh yeah, let's starting manual quickly because we need more uh, scoring and more shooting that's not their style so i look i'm trusting tibbs i probably would stick with peyton at least for game one see how it works out and look i mean they've won in spite of them they won 41 games peyton has been the point guard down the stretch starting point guard they did close out winning the final three games that they had to so i think a lot is being made of it they're just not that's an area where they need to upgrade clearly in the offseason for now peyton has been good enough to get it and get done
2: let's make predictions jyd starting with you who wins the series how many games
1: Yep, I'm giving us uh, four. Yeah, sweep.
3: What the dog wow. pound sweep?
1: Man, why not? daggone it. It is what it is, man. Bully ball and Tibbs. I'm 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 rolling with that.
2: I have tickets for game four, so if that's if that happens, I'm I'm celebrating a Magic City after the game. I mean, I'm going to be making it rain uh, a quarters and pennies and dollar bills uh, after game four win. All right. Knicks and four. Sal, what do you I'm got? I'm going
0: to go Knicks and six. I'm going to give the Hawks a couple of games here. They're I, I, Look, they're ultra talented. I don't want to be disrespectful to them. I do believe in you know, the Knicks' style of play versus the Hawks, but the Hawks are good enough offensively that they should win a game or two minimum. Capella could be a problem. I love Collins, one of my favorite players to watch in a league. Trey Young, assuming he can stay healthy. Lou Williams, Bogdanovich can be tricky. And you just feel like, all right, maybe there'll be an off night or two. I'm not sure which two games the Hawks are going to get. Maybe they split the first two with the Garden. You know, maybe the Hawks come back and get a game at home or get both games at home. I don't know how it's going to play out. I haven't really thought about that. But I will say the Hawks are good enough to get at least two games here. It's not going to be an easy series, but Knicks in six because of their defense and their style going up against
2: the Hawks. Knicks in five. They close it out in game five at the Garden. The place is raucous. There's celebrations outside. 13,000 people. Celebrating Knicks in five, they win it and close it out at home. I think it's going to go something like Knicks win first two, they lose game three, and they win four and five and close it out. I'm excited, guys! It's here. I mean, do you believe it? We got to wait till Sunday, but uh, the playoffs. Oh, I thought you were going to say about your rap. That's here as well. But no, I mean we're excited
0: about this. Is what we've waited for. I mean, this has been too far and few between. Where this is only the fifth time in the last 20 years that we could say the Knicks are in the playoffs. And. The majority of those times, the Knicks were really not uh, any threat. I mean, they were getting sweat losing in the first round. This time, not only are they in the postseason, we're expecting them to win this first round series. I mean, JYD's saying sweep. Jake, you're saying five. I'm saying six. We're not even saying the Hawks are taking them the distance. So this can be uh, an extremely fun time here for Knicks fans as we get excited about game one coming up on Sunday afternoon. Pack the garden, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Coming up next, we'll talk to Dr. Dick Barnett, of course, legendary Nick. But first, a rap, a playoff rap from producer Jake. If you missed it, he had a rap earlier in the season. I must say, while I was cringing uh, with the thought of it, it was fire. I mean, producer Jake shut me up. He gave us a, a good little rap. What's he got in store for the playoffs? You better turn it up another notch. So we got Dr. Dick Barnett coming up. But next, <laughs> our rap by producer Jake. Jay Swizzy on the other side. Big Apple Jay Swizzy's
1: coming back.
0: Here we are. Let's hear it, Producer Jake. The last one was pretty good. You woke me up to your rap game, and now I'm looking forward to hearing the playoff edition of Jay Swizzy. What do you got for us with the Knicks playoff
2: rap? All right, guys. It's good. I'm going to go with the same beat as last time. I'm going to keep it consistent. The beat was good, and uh, Knicks playoff rap. Here we go. This is my first time doing it. I haven't practiced. I wrote it right before the show. So now we see how it comes out. Here we go.
3: It's Jay Swizzy. The Knicks are going to the playoffs. Let's do this. It's Big Apple Buckets. Playoff time! Knicks are back on your TV screen. No big three here. We got the Big 15. The Garden's gonna be rocking, man. You already know. NBA Coach of the Year, it's Tom Thibodeau. The top D in the league, it's gold 24 carat. Most improved player, no question. R.J. Barrett. D Rose gave him the boost. The vet got the handle. Post toast, pass and shoot. MVP Julius Randle. We'll lock your ass down. Hold on to your jock. Three point goal. Reggie Bullock. Dreading playing us. Coming to MSG. Berserk like Alec Burks from the corner for three. Big Apple bucket sal Jacob JYD God bless the Knicks, drafting a manual quickly. CBS Sports gave him a D-plus. Quit your hating, burn that grade to the ground. Alfred Payton, Hawks ain't ready for the block party, New Noel, Mitch back, two dynamic duo, Keenan and Kel, we got depth and chemistry, the Knicks always gel, from one to 15, we didn't forget you, Pinson and Pell, clapping from the bench, rocking like the Taj Mahal, you all may have forgot Taj Gibson can still ball, the flow is contagious, it's spreading like pox, cleaning up the garbage, Jared Harper, Kevin Knox, Coming to the garden. Know the Knicks ain't stopping. We young? Play deep? Make threes? Obi oh, be topping. Hey, Hawks, you're done. Let me hand you your subpoena. Au revoir, mes amis. Bonjour, Franklin, Laquina. Bars! <laughs> bars, <laughs> baby, <laughs> bars! Play Woo! Easy. That's Chase coming through, baby. <laughs> Big Apple Bucket! First take, Jake. Biatches, let's go.
0: <laughs> not bad i like the way you write that's
1: pretty funny man that that's was it, pretty man. good Getting that was everybody- good. that was better than the first one that was better than the first one you did you did throw that all together.
0: And that was the first time that you recorded that live. I mean, that's, that is pretty good to do on your first go around. You have to do that a couple of times to make sure you get it down. Let's, let's, let's
2: get rid of a, the wrapper and go to a doctor next because I, I need a doctor to uh, breathe after that. Right, right. <laughs> From one end of
0: the spectrum to the other. Dr. Dick Barnett is going to join us on the other side. It's Big Apple Buckets. <laughs> It is our pleasure to be joined by Knicks legend, two-time NBA champion with the Knicks back in 1970-1973. Dr. Dick Barnett, they called him a winner, a champion. Doctor, it's a pleasure to be joined by you here on the you know, precipice of the Knicks returning
4: to the playoffs. I mean, this is great here. We have the Knicks back in the postseason. Fantastic. Uh purely uh unanticipated. Very surprised and, and, and very happy to see the success of the Knicks this year.
0: You look at the postseason and I know that you know it's it's a different animal. People talk about it with the regular season, forget what the Knicks did against the Hawks specifically, or just in general, postseason versus regular season. Talk about how different the level of play is once you get to the NBA posting. Well
4: well obviously once you get there and uh, obviously you have to concentrate on, on, on what you're doing and every game, every play is specific in, in, in terms of, of leading to the success or failure of, of what you accomplished during during the entire year.
1: Now when you started off uh, your NBA career you were actually in Syracuse talk a little about the transition from uh coming from Syracuse down to the city
4: let, let me give you a little background coming from a historical black college and in those days uh, black college players were not being drafted into the NBA I was the number one draft choice had to face the uh, the quota system and and uh, I don't I don't know if, if, if you guys are even familiar with the eastern League are you familiar with the eastern League no we're I not am
1: not. <laughs> (laughs)
4: We we call that the graveyard of professional basketball because if they were not drafting talented players into the NBA, they had to go to the Eastern League. That's where a number of great players, even Will Chamberlain had to go to the Eastern League to play with the Gold A number of things in in this background that, that you guys should become familiar with. Yeah,
2: you've had an interesting journey to the point where you used to taunt defenders and say "fall back, baby," or and then Chick Hearn would later call you that. Can you tell us the origin of the whole "fall back, baby," which is now uh, also your Twitter
4: too? Fall back, baby, thing originated on the playgrounds of Gary and Anna while shooting the ball. I, I knew it was going in, so I, you know, said everybody get back on defense. So that, that's what that was all about. Very confident in in what my my shooting abilities were at that particular point, yes.
0: Dr. Barnett, how about playing at Madison Square Garden in the playoffs? I mean, you were there a key part, and you were a veteran on those teams, but you were there a key part of – the greatest era in Knicks basketball winning championships what that feel like being a part of those teams at Madison Square Garden
4: Well yeah I have to go back to uh my early days I used to hear about Gillette Blue Blades and all that all that information from Gary and Anna at Madison Square Garden and now I played let let me give you a little history when we won those three championships at Tennessee State in in, in the South at that particular time John Mike Lennon, our coach, very successful coach, we wanted to play in the NCAA. We wanted to play against Bill Russell and his group of guys. We thought we were the best team in the country, but they would not let us play because of the issue of race. They would not let us play in Madison Square Garden. In fact, John McLennan petitioned for three years so we could try to get into the NCAA or the NIT. They wouldn't let us play. in in either tournament. So we had to go back to the NAIA, which was the forerunner of the NCAA and the NIT. So that's a little background in terms of playing, actually ending up playing at Madison Square Garden.
0: Wow. Right, so you had to deal with all that first, and then one day you did get a chance to play at Madison Square Garden as a member of the Knicks and
2: winning championships at Madison Square Garden. Winning two titles, doctor. I mean, think about it. The Knicks have not won again. Like, we're excited to just be in the playoffs again and have home court we're, we're not even sniffing a title yet. Maybe they catch a miracle and do, but that's got to hold a special place in your heart that they haven't won since then and would love to hear your memories of uh, being in the finals and winning a championship in New York and getting the parade and getting the royalty treatment and then later on your jersey getting retired.
4: Well, it, it, it was great uh, winning those championships, but I think even more interesting for your audience and, and young people, how did I become Dr. Barnett? I value that more than I did in in terms of winning two championships. Let me give you a a little background on that. Fellas, the chickens came home to roost at Madison Square Garden, October the 12th, 1967. I was a great player at Tennessee State, All-American, All-American three years. But uh, let me put it like this. Basketball was my mistress. I wasn't a very good student, and I left Tennessee State without a degree. So when I say the best thing that happened to me in the National Basketball Association was rupturing my Achilles tendon October the 12th, 1967, at Madison Square Garden. The doctor walked into the dressing room and said, Dick Barnett, you might not play any more professional basketball. I was lying on the table and without a college degree, didn't know what I wanted to do with my future. So I made a determination at that particular time, I better go back to school and get ready for the future. So I said that was the most important moment in my career playing professional basketball.
0: Forcing you to do something else, which is incredible. But then you did come back and had great success. And how about the defense that you had to play on Jerry West, specifically, Dr. Barnett? I mean, again, we mentioned you were the veteran, a key part of those teams. But the defense that you played on Jerry West helped the Knicks win a championship. Defense mattered then, and it still matters now with well, this no, Knicks team. no question
4: about that. So, you know, with we, Clyde and and uh, Willis and DeBuscher, and Brad, you know, we we had, uh, particularly with Phil Jackson, when, when it was necessary, we had a tremendous defensive team. So we 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 were uh, we had an experienced team. We had some great players on that team.
0: You know, one thing I talk about with this current Knicks team is it's not just that they've had success, Doctor Barnett. It's that they they're playing the game what I believe is the right way in representing the city well, a team that we can be proud of playing hard both ends of the floor. You don't see that nearly enough in today's NBA. Do you take joy in watching a team like this year's current Nick team that takes pride in, in playing defense and wearing that New York across their Any chest? Anybody that can
4: play defense, usually in in basketball, if you watch very carefully, half of the floor, Belongs to nobody. So in other words, my philosophy is it should be from baseline to baseline. We're picking you up all over the court, 48 minutes. But that type of basketball isn't played anymore.
1: 94 feet by 50, corner to corner, elbow to elbow, baseline to baseline.
4: Baseline to baseline. We're going head up, baseline to baseline.
1: Back in the day, when you were seen as those type of teams, what mentality did you guys come out of the locker room and going into that defensive mode? What, 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 did, what was the locker room talk? Give it to me, Doc.
4: Well, well team, teams knew you teams uh, knew that if you were going to play the New York Knicks, you better go home and, and, and get some rest because they know we're picking up, as I indicated, from baseline to baseline. There's no walking the ball, there's no rolling the ball up the court and 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 meet you at the 10 second line. No, as soon as this, as, the, as as the field goal is made, everybody turn and get a man. So that's, that's that's the way we played it.
1: Did you actually say nose to the chest? <laughs> soon as the ball comes out, nose to the chest.
4: We, we, we sanitize it a little better <laughs> on the court. Okay.
1: <laughs> how, how was it
0: getting, Dr. Barnett, those younger guys to buy in and play? Was it easy back then? I mean, now it seems like you have a guy like Julius Randle. He's got to lead by example. Go out there and show that he can be a star player, but also play hard at the defensive end and the rest of the team follows. You were a veteran player on those younger teams. Were those guys already known to be playing defense, or did you have to let them you know? know- well, well, uh,
4: I, I think uh, you know with with the guys in our team, uh, with their resumes, there was much respect. Come uh, guys, and and with our coach, so you know he he, he set the mode for what what was transpiring at that point. Red Holzman, and so uh, we, we we understood what the what, what what our job was, and and one of the things that happened with Red Holzman, he had been with the the Knicks for a number of years, so he had a a complete uh, resume of, of, of the guys that was on the team. I think what really helped change the Knicks around at that particular time was trading for Dave DeBusher, which sent uh, Willis back to being center. And he was playing that role with Bellamy for a while. And I think that solidified our, our, our championship pedigree at that particular time.
2: Doctor, you you got all the swag right now. You got the shades, you got the suit. You played in the backcourt alongside a guy that had all the swag then and now in Clyde Frazier. And we don't get to talk to guys that played with Clyde a lot, but we really don't get to talk to guys that played in the backcourt with him. What was he like playing with? And then, you know, off the court, he must have been the coolest to hang out with, with the suits, with the jackets, with the hats.
4: Really, Clyde and I really didn't hang out together. I mean, we you know, I, I appreciated his game and he appreciated my game. He understood Obviously, I'm much older than Clyde, and he had a, uh, he understood. The way I took care of my body and stayed in shape, and I and I think that put him on a a great path for his career. Obviously, uh, we, we didn't know Clyde had th- those type of leadership uh possessed when he came in. Turned out to be obviously one of the all time greats, and and uh, has been with the, the Knicks organization ever since.
2: So he never let you borrow a blazer. <laughs> he never let you borrow a hat shades.
4: Well, it, it, every time I, I see Clyde, I, I don't ask him who his uh, tell was, I said, where, where did he shoot that, that animal to get that, uh, <laughs> that, that outfit? Okay. But look, <laughs> it's all
1: about the swag, and I think that your swag kind of rubbed off on Clyde. I can see the shades. I see the, the burgundy and the tie coming off of the navy blue, broil blue mixed blazer that's just, you know, that's giving me. And then you got the the, the the handkerchief in there. I'm already seeing the style factor. Sal, am I wrong? Am I saying anything wrong?
4: Yes. No, that was my style. Like, you know, I was always conscious of how I look. And as being uh, Dr. Barnett and, and running the Richard Barnett Foundation and our focus, is on uh, mentoring young young people and scholarships for young people. So I'm I'm very excited. During 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 this time, this downtime while the virus has been going on, we had a major opportunity to put the uh, Richard Barnett Dr. Barnett Foundation together, and we're. We're very excited about the possibilities.
0: And you can check that out at drbfny.org, the Dr. Richard Barnett Foundation.
1: And it's obviously for a great cause. And how many kids are in your program, Dr. Barnett?
4: Well, we, we, we deal, at the, we just started, we, we brought some people on, and we're dealing with probably. Uh, As we look at our our uh, outline of where we want to go, we we want to be dealing on a a national basis. This is not only uh, in the New York area, but all around the country. Because I remember my upbringing with the Jackson Five in Gary, Indiana. Joe Jackson was the father of, of, of that that group, and all of us lived in the same neighborhood. So. I wanted to put together this foundation to give back because so many dreams have been uh, realized. With with Mr. Williams there, being in the NBA, and and one of the things that happened, all the NBA players, everybody had a dream. Everybody wanted to play, obviously, in the NBA. And I speak to young people all the time, and I ask, you know, how many people really want to be in the NBA? And everybody wants to be a part of the nba
2: we might be able to do a whole other podcast about you and the jackson five in indiana what is this <laughs> doctor you got you must have stories for days about the jackson five no
4: he was the uh, great in. Uh... Particularly one once Michael and uh, they obviously they were much younger than I was. In fact, Joe Jackson, the the father, was in the Gary Steel Mills when uh, his son when they made it big and finally had to get out of Gary. It, it's been fascinating. Uh, and one of the things that I'd like to talk about very briefly. Remember when i talk about a ruptured achilles tendon in those days that was usually the end of player's career i'm not talking about modern medicine like it is today that that was 50 years ago and and i never had a problem with my tendon once they repaired.
0: Which is crazy. I mean, that is remarkable. You think about it now, guys still don't recover 100%. And,
4: and the doctor, uh, the doctor was Yana Kassara. I, I will never forget him. I recall once they took the, the plastic wrap off of my ankle after they operated, the next day he was walking me in the hallway of the hospital and say, get up and start walking on that cast, and and that's how we started. That was in February, and in September I started back playing and resuming my uh, NBA career and never had a problem with it at all.
2: And not only that, you made an all-star team that year, right? After you got the ruptured tendon.
4: Well, yeah, I made mean, the all-star team. That was one year. But uh, obviously, there, there, there has been, there was a bias, if I must put it in, in that regard, a bias against uh, historical black colleges, black athletes, the quota system, I should have made about four or five all-star games. That, that is what it is.
2: Hey, you got your number 12 in the rafters. That's pretty f- special at Madison Square Garden. That's I mean, there's not many numbers up there.
4: Let, let me put it like this. I have my number at Roosevelt High School in Gary, Indiana. I have my number at Tennessee State in Nashville, Tennessee. I have my number at Madison Square Garden. So I know it was put up or shut up. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> talk, talk to him,
2: doctor. Him. Talk to him, doc.
4: Okay. Talk That trash, doctor. That's right. I know <laughs> I was bad.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love guys who were bad, and I love it even more guys who know they were bad. Doctor Barnett, tell us about this documentary here, TSU documentary that you have coming well,
4: out. It, it's really good. It's really going to be telling about what transpired when we won those championships, traveling across the cell, not being able to. To stop in restaurants, had to go to relieve ourselves in cornfields and all of that. Unlike UCLA, which came later, we, we, we won those championships without a public accommodation. We couldn't stay in, 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 in hotels or whatever. So, you know, we, we think our, our championships were more legitimate. And, more, and most people are not familiar with it at all. So one of the things that we we want to tell our story of what was happening in the South when every young black male's life was in jeopardy in the 1950s. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's very educational. It, it, look, it, it sucks to, to know that uh, it's still going on today. And it's incredible to think that you, Dr. Barnett, and many others had to live through that but it's incredible to think how you overcame it and your jersey hanging in all those uh, buildings, as you said, none more prominently than Madison Square Garden. But uh, I'll be curious to check out that documentary on TSU because I certainly could be educated on it. We were
4: the first team in college history to ever win three consecutive uh, championships. Uh, The first black team, uh, historical black college, to be put into the Naismith Hall of Fame. So, you know, all of that has just occurred.
2: Doctor's got three NAIA championships. He's got an ABL championship. He's got two NBA. He's got six rings. You got you got two hands full of rings, Doctor. Uh, yeah, that's but that's but we need your prediction on the Knicks here. Are they going to beat the Hawks? Well, what do you I, think?
4: I'm, I'm interested. I, I know they swept uh, Atlanta during the regular season, but uh, Atlanta during this playoff, out, play out, that, that's going to be a tough out. It's going to be a very tough out. And, uh, you know, they keep doing – and playing that type of defense, I, I think they're going to be successful in what, what they're trying to accomplish.
2: So he's saying the Knicks are moving on, Sal. He's saying oh, the I Knicks think, are I winning. I think
4: that's what it comes down to. So, Dr. Barnett,
0: just to clarify, I mean, would you – because I know there are some people that are valuing more so the offense in today's game, right, the three-point shooting, which the Hawks have more of than the Knicks, versus the good defense. I'm still going defense. I'm old school. I want to believe in that. Would you value more so the elite shooting or better scoring versus the defense or, or vice versa? You
4: know, well, It really comes down to uh, do do you know how to play this game? Do you you know how to play and and taking advantage uh, of the personnel that that, that you have? Obviously, the Knicks have been successful this year with what they're doing. I I, I would take that that they're still going to be playing the kind of defense that they played to be successful. So this is going to be fascinating, and I I say the Knicks is – the Knicks is going to be a tough out, and particularly with Ro- Rose playing the way he's playing.
0: Yeah, Rose has been tremendous for him. You're right. And their point guard situation has been a little murky here outside of Rose. So they have to figure that out. And they need to fall back on defense, baby. That's it. Follow him, Dr. Barnett, Dr. Dick Barnett. You can follow him on Twitter at FallbackBaby12. Check out the foundation, Dr. Richard Barnett Foundation, org. The TSU documentary coming out this summer. And Dr. Dick Barnett, I cannot thank you enough. It is an honor and a privilege to be speaking with you. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for your time here on Big Apple Buckets. We appreciate it.
4: uh, Let me end this very quickly with a quick point. Let's go. Fleecy locks and black complexion cannot forfeit nature's claim. Different skin and affection. Dwells in black and white the same. If I was so tall as to reach the pole or grasp the ocean at a span, I must be measured by my soul. The mind is the standard of the man. He's a doctor, a poet, a baller, a champion. What doesn't he
3: do, folks? He does it all. Garnett. <laughs>
0: Does it for us for episode 46, the Dennis Bell edition of Big Apple Buckets Podcast, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to producer Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Give Big Apple Buckets a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. For JYD, Jerome Williams, I'm Salakata. We'll chat with you guys next week after the first Knicks playoff game in seven years. Let's
3: go, Knicks!